Welcome back to another Home Show Extra. It's our way of getting you even more answers to the questions that we get at homeshowradio.com with the Ask Tom button. I'm Charlie Moger, and he's Tom Tynum. I'm over here. And we usually... <laughs> He's <laughs> over here. Yes, That's right. over here. That's right. Chad's going to mix this, so, so Tom's a little on the left and a little on the right, and it'll really <laughs> yeah. mess with your If you got those spatial headphones, it'll really mess with you. But what we're going to do today, Tom, we actually have a special guest, because uh, the season is here when we're starting to light fires in chimneys, and if you haven't used yours in a while, there's there's a call you should make before you do that. Okay, let's not light the fire in the chimney. Let's try well, to get the fire fireplace. You know the where I mean. fire is kind of, what do you say, Lee? Pretty dangerous, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. no fire. There. Fire so plays fire. Okay. All right. You got me. <laughs> okay. Which this is okay. This is how this whole show's gonna go. Okay. So I put on my pinata outfit and uh no, we we're talking we got Lee Roff with us who is the the expert of all experts on chimneys from Lord's Chimney. And thanks for being with us today, Lee. Hey, thank you. We have got um, my assistant, Fernando, went and just found ton- I didn't realize we had this many questions about chimneys and dryer vents and fireplaces and so on. So what Tom and I usually do is I ask him a question, he answers it. So you, Tom's going to join us, and you can answer, and we'll just do it that I'm way. over here. <laughs> got <laughs> it. Right. Okay, thank you. Tom's over there pointing out whenever I say something <laughs> wrong. That's really his function today. So no, I won't do it anymore. I all right. So we can t- be wrong today. Let me give you the first one here, Lee. Well, first of all, before we get into that, Lee, let's talk about Lords a little bit here and, and, and kind of explain the breadth and depth of all that you do to make fireplaces and chimneys safe. Yeah, we specialize in fireplaces, chimneys. Um, also, you don't see them much here, wood stoves, pellet stoves, oil-burning furnaces. Uh, we, we do more now, even gas inserts, because heat has become a little big of a deal after the last freeze. Mm-hmm. but. From inspections to cleaning to ground-up builds, um, if, if you can dream it, we can build it kind of thing. Um, I think that's somebody's catchphrase I just stole, but um, we do all of it. So no matter what happens with that, that's what we do. Leaks, animals, you name it, we got it. So you'll get ver- varmints out of my, my, my chimney. You'll get, uh, um, if I need a new one, you can build one from the bottom up, and you can make the old one I have work like new. Yep, if we can legally get them out, we will, and we can do anything that has to do with the chimney or fireplace. Yeah, it's interesting you say because you can't just scoop them up and take them away in some cases. In some cases, we can't. In most cases, we can. In a lot of cases now, what we're doing is they don't ever live there. They're just sort of nesting there. So if you can just push the pause button for a little while, they'll leave on their own, and then we just make sure they never come back. Yeah. That's kind of the, the new way. Uh, but there are chimney swifts, which are protected birds, which we can't. We don't touch them at all while they're nesting. But in general, yeah, we can we can address the the, the animal problem any way you want. And, well, and, and let's. I I will tell you of all the questions I have here, and I've got pages of them. There is not one animal in my chimney question. So I want to make sure we cover that. It's not that time of year. That's our, oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Tommy has our first question for you. He's in Wait, before you do that, yeah. because it's such a popular thing, I just got to throw this in real quick. Lee, what about uh, the fire pits outside? You guys take care of those things? We do. Yeah. Um, okay. Man, everybody yeah. wants a fire pit today. Like, they want to just go out there and see a giant, like, have a ritual of some kind. So yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, and we do most of the fire pits we do now, because if they're just masonry and you throw wood in them, Almost anybody can do it. Pool companies, everybody else. Yeah. But when, when you start to put uh, gas logs in the fire pit where you want remote controls and wall switches and all mm. that kind of stuff, 
where you have pilots that have different ignition systems. That's that's more our speed. Although we can do any of. It. Okay. All right. I'm good, Charlie. <laughs> all right. No, I'm just making sure you got everything you needed there, buddy. Yeah, I just want okay. to make it's I get questions on it all the time. Just oh, maintenance yeah. on them, everything. Well, yeah, and outdoor living is positive. It's yeah, really it, popular. It yeah. is. And uh, but I know we have a fire pit and it's that time of year oh, we can actually use it again. Cool. All right, so Tommy, remember him? He's in Houston. We were gonna ask his question. He says he says our two story home was built in nineteen eighty two, Lee, with an mm-hmm. all brick fireplace, hearth and chimney. Mm-hmm. The fireplace is very inefficient. All the heat goes up and out. We don't get much use of it. Is it a big project to modify it so it can be used for heat? The question is, what's your definition of big? Um, there, there are, if you want to switch to gas, if you have that option, because wood-burning fireplaces can have gas in them as well, there are gas inserts that you can install that will even have thermostats in them that will go up and down just to keep the temperature in a room a certain temperature um there are also different now and this just came out in the last three or four years uh conversion kits to redesign the firebox the fireboxes to make them much more efficient with heat with wood so it's an open fireplace that can heat a room but still it it depends what you consider big because we're still talking a good amount of money to get that done because there's no like simple way just to stack wood a certain way or anything else because most fireplaces are designed to look pretty more than they're designed to be efficient. Well, and, and I think that's the the thing is, is that they weren't designed as a heat source for a house. Correct. Yes, they're not designed for a heat source at all. And in a lot of cases, yes, if you're right over the top of the fire, it's warmer. If you walk to the other side of the room when the fireplace is on, it can actually be colder because it has to pull in combustion air mm-hmm. for the fire. And then, where's the the makeup air coming from? Often, it's windows and doors, unless you have makeup air sources. So that it's actually colder in some parts of your house because of that fire. Now, this insert is something you can install. Correct. Yes. It, it, it's something we can install. It, it's not, uh, we don't have to take anything apart, but the, the inserts, because you can do wood burning inserts, which do put out heat, but generally you have to have an up to code correct fireplace. That's, that's a, to get it to that stage is a little bit of a, an event too. Uh, but there are wood-burning inserts or gas inserts. In our market, because most houses have natural gas, the gas inserts is much easier. You can turn it on and off. Because with wood, once you turn it on, there's not really an off switch. Mm-hmm. So if you have to go or you have to go to bed or anything else, you're, it, it, it's much more difficult. Whereas gas, push a button, it's off, you can move. I would think that if you were going to use it for heat, you'd want gas. You'd want something you could push a button and make it get warm. Yep, and it's much easier to turn it up or down to. It will automatically do that in a lot of cases. Um, just make sure if you get a gas insert, and the brand we sell is really good about this, make sure it works when the power goes out. Some of them have to have power to work. They have fans. They have all this special stuff. When the power goes out, it doesn't work either. So you need to make sure that you get one that works with the power off as well as off. You know, Jerry is up in Tomball, and he wrote us that he has a brick fireplace with a chimney, and it's a traditional kind of build. And he says, I'm from the north, and remember fireplaces with passive tubes to draw in air and distribute it better. And as with most fireplaces, most of the heat obviously goes up, like we're just talking about. Is that something you can add? That's, That's something you have to do from scratch. Those are, the technical term for that is heat form fireplaces. Although a lot of people refer to them by brand names. So there's Heatilator, there's a lot of different brand names that mm-hmm. comes out. 
Um, but that was a metal box that, especially in the 70s and 80s, during the kind of the fuel crisis, that air time period, people wanted to be more efficient with heat, and that was installed. Um, but that's from scratch and those, because those are not manufactured fireplaces where they're trapped in by sheetrock. This is brick and mortar. So that, that's an effort. So generally, that's new construction. Do it from scratch. And there's more efficient ways than that now. So that's not something that we generally use anymore. That was the 70s, 80s things. Mm-hmm. Um, and just quick thing on those heat form fireplaces is they're metal, they rust, and they warp. So eventually they get replaced too. And of those, it's usually 50, 60 years, but some of them are coming to that time. If you were building your own chimney and fireplace, the whole kit and caboodle, how would you build yours, Lee? I would do a like an efficient gas fireplace indoors that I could turn up or down that would work with no power. And then I would put something with actual wood outdoors. So I could have both, but the outdoor stuff doesn't need as much babysitting. Mm-hmm. And the indoor stuff we could use, you could come home after a long day, turn it on for 30 minutes, get a little bit of that direct radiant heat, and then turn it off and go to bed. Hmm. Because quite often the wood is not used as much because it's a commitment. And especially right. with real wood, it, it's a commitment of an unknown duration. Well, not only that, but it, it's kind of pain in the neck to have a round, too. I mean, it's it, it just, you got to, for one thing, it, it's, it, it, you got to find it, store it, and it attracts all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I, I, believe me, I, when we were, when I was a little boy up in New Hampshire, we had a um, an old bomb shelter, and we used to store our cordwood in there. And um, I, it was my job to stack the cordwood in there. And I'm here to tell you, there's all kinds of things that like to live among the cordwood. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So gas is really easier, um, and it's easier to control the amount of heat when you turn it off, when you turn it you know, on. Mm-hmm. You have to have gas. We can, uh, there are propane ones, too, if that's where, if you kind of live in a propane area, that, that exists. Uh, and the newer gas inserts and fireplaces look really good, too. Some of the old ones kind of, it was almost like taking a furnace and putting a window on it. Right. They, they weren't real attractive. The newer ones really are, and you can do different refractory panels on the inside that are mirrored and different brick combinations or wood combinations. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do now. And it's a modification you can do to an existing fireplace. To, to some existing fireplace, it depends on the type. What okay. we're talking about is the traditional masonry fireplaces, you can. Mm-hmm. If it's one of the metal kind of manufactured fireplaces that come as a kit, they, they don't test all the different inserts in every single uh, manufactured fireplace. So those, you, you can't, uh, because they've never been listed or tested with that appliance inside of it. So it depends on what type of fireplace you have. All right. So it is time, This with, when we deal with HVAC, you know, plumbing and, and electrical, mm-hmm. everybody has their annual checkups. You need an annual checkup on your fireplace and your chimney, don't you? Yep, that's correct, maintenance. Um, and we now have what we call the Healthy Hearth Club. And it's just a maintenance plan like HVAC and plumbing have just to, for people to, to get on a regular schedule. We remind them. We do it in the summers so that when the winter comes around, you're ready to go. But we just want to make sure that we catch little problems while they're little before, like, a water leak leaks for 10 years. And by the time the customer sees it inside of a fireplace, it's usually pretty serious. Here's one from Marciano in North Houston. She says, the bricks around my chimney crown have been spalling for about a year now and then Following the freeze, it got worse last year. And the, so there seems to be some cracking going on with the concrete t- top. Um, 
I, I'm only interested in repairing the crown, the concrete crap, uh, cap, and the, the top two rows of brick. The brick is a Mexican brick from the 70s. It's no longer available and apparently has a reputation for being poor quality. I'd also like to have some type of metal brace placed on the crown to hopefully prevent a recurrence of this issue. Is that a solution you'd recommend? Um, depends what the metal brace, her definition is. What we recommend now is a full coverage chimney cap that covers the whole top. And if you, if BIA is the people who kind of recommend how it's the Brick Institute of America, how a masonry chimney should be built, and they recommend having some kind of an eave at the top of a chimney so the water runs away from the brick and doesn't just sheet down the sides. And then that Mexican brick will last longer. So what we would recommend is fix it and then put a full coverage cap with eaves, and that's going to protect the stuff below it. Often with Mexican brick, too, we put water repellents on that so the water does not penetrate the brick because anytime we get water in the brick and then we get freezing especially, freeze-thaw, you're going to have accelerated um, kind of deterioration. But we'll put that on, and the one we use is specifically designed for chimneys, and it will let water vapor out. It won't trap water in. That's really, really important. Okay. What does she mean? I've never, I don't know what this word means. What does spalling mean? Spalling is, uh, it's, it's when um, the, the brick, the outside of the brick, you'll see it kind of delaminate. You'll see it kind of slough off, and it sort of falls apart. And generally that's done in uh, softer bricks. And what she's talking mm-hmm. about is the non-hard fire bricks. They're really soft because yeah. they absorb water like a sponge. And then you heat and cool that water, especially freezing where it expands. Literally, the brick starts to fall apart. So spalling is that. It's when your brick, the, the surface of the bricks slowly falls apart. And we see it even in quality bricks, it, especially when you go north and you get a ton of freeze-thaw cycles. That's a serious, serious issue with brick. Here we get, I call it heat-cool cycles, not freeze-thaw. But still, over time, brick will deteriorate, especially what she's calling Mexican brick, meaning it has that stamp on it that says it's made in Mexico. Yeah. But all it means is it's not hard-fired. It's, it's a real soft brick, and all bricks absorb water. That's why on the rest of your house you have weeples, because the water runs through it, hits the water membrane, goes out. But on chimneys, especially masonry chimneys, there are no weeples because you're not supposed to have water inside of it because the waterproof membrane is flammable. Hmm. So you want to keep water out of chimneys. That's why there's more leaks around chimneys than the rest of your house often. Hmm, right. See, Robert has one for you here about his. He says, about two months ago, I began seeing a stain bleeding through the painted fireplace bricks. He says, I have a patio cover that goes around and butts up against the fireplace chimney bricks outside. I'd noticed for a while water running down the outside of the chimney bricks, so I thought I had a flashing issue. But now I'm thinking the bricks are absorbing water. Could he be on to something? Yes, bricks will absorb water. Yeah, I've, we, we've done experiments. We just drop bricks into a bucket of water, and you'd be surprised. They absorb a ton of water. And once again, that's why we have weep holes. That's why, because it's, it's a known thing. Bricks, unless they have water repellents on them, it's they're going to absorb water. And, yeah, that, that's an absolute thing. Um, in that case, too, if they're seeing stuff inside, th- there could be other issues going on, too. Often when we see leaks, it's not one leak. It's three or four leaks. People think they have the one thing, and then they'll fix it, and then the leak will move. Hmm. So it's important that we fix the whole leak and not just a piece of the leak. Well, and I would think, you know, that leak, that water is going to create more and more problems. It's going to, more and more of its friends are going to want to pass down through there, and it's going to exacerbate the issue. And then you get maybe a freeze or something, and like you're saying, it's starting to push that crack bigger. Right. And, and another thing is, the mortar that's used inside the interior of the chimney, mm-hmm. if you go back to the 60s and 70s, it was all water-soluble. 
<laughs> so if water's leaking in, it's going to cause the, the venting system not to be gas tight anymore. And, and often people shine a flashlight from the top and a flashlight from the bottom and they don't see holes. Then you put a camera in and then magically there's holes everywhere. I imagine so, that that's technology you use when you inspect the chimney. We, we don't do anything but that because when I first started 20 years ago, I started with a flashlight. And then the, the first time we got those cameras and we started going back to our regular customers and had to show them all the things we had missed over the years, it was awkward. I'll bet. Do you use do you use any kind of um, uh, penetrating radar or anything, you know, X ray or anything on these things, or are you looking at heat signatures on these or, or anything like that, Lee? We we do. We use some of the thermal imaging cameras often for leaks, but also you can turn fireplaces on, and if you run them long enough, you can see heat signatures where things are too hot, especially because. Once again, I'm going to go back in time where I, when I first started, people would say this wall is getting too hot. But what's the definition of hot? So with some of these cameras, we can document it. We can document leaks. We can see things. We can even see downdrafts on chimneys because you see the cold air from the from the top come all the way down when it's supposed to be you know heating from the bottom and venting up. But thermal imaging cameras is something we use as well. Hmm. Lee, when you're running those cameras, is it like a like the same cameras they use in plumbing? Uh, it, it's slightly the same technology built slightly different. It has to be um, centering, lighting. I'm sure in plumbing it's the same thing. It's not the same camera. It's a specific chimney camera, but uh-huh. it's, it's the same idea. Is it drop from the top or are you going from the bottom? You can do both. We do it from the bottom just because it's a safer place and the customer can look over our shoulder. Uh, uh-huh. But you can do it from the top, too, if you had to. They have a monitor they can look at while you're doing it? Correct, yep. And you can beam it to televisions. You can do all kinds of things now. Can you really? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, you can. Well, you talk about holes and cracks. Quinton in Fresno says he thinks he has a crack in his chimney. He says the house is built back in 92, 93, and there's water in the fire log area of it, and inside of the shutter on the front of the fireplace is rusted. He says, is that is is that possibly a crack or is could that just be water coming down from a heavy rain what he's describing most likely is one of those manufactured metal fireplaces Mm -hmm. and they can be veneered with brick so a lot of people say those are brick fireplaces but inside is a manufactured fireplace when i hear a lot of rust it's usually those metal fireplace and when from the top they have a metal top it's called a chase top but it's like the metal tabletop at the top of the chimney that will rust and has to be changed out at some point um and, and wind depends on what it was made out of. We do all, almost all stainless now, but uh, the original ones were all galvanized. And they will rust eventually and leak. And if you don't fix that, will your whole fireplace rust? And the solution to that is to rip out the fireplace and start all over again. Because those are like an appliance, like a washer or dryer, so they don't last forever. Okay. So, Have you ever had to rip one out and not put it back? People just want you to get rid of it? Yeah, probably once a month. Once a month? Yeah. That can't be cheap. No. Wow. Well, and th- th- a lot of times even when it leaks, they want us to take the whole chimney off the top of the house, too. Really? And you have to explain to them, it's not just our expense. It's not just ripping it apart. You've got to put stuff back together again to, to yeah. fill holes. It's no, not I can cheap. imagine. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's about the same cost just to fix it. But there's some customers that think they know, so you just smile and tell them that's <laughs> well, not what we recommend, but if you want to okay. do it, we can do it. Yeah, Make yeah. a great video, Charlie. Get one just <laughs> getting rid of it. Yeah. So, yeah well, yeah, my daddy used to say, never tell the mechanic what's wrong with the car. 
Yes. So, um, Jason says he began to smell a musty, moldy smell in his chimney, and uh, that was the first clue that we had an issue. He says he had the, the crown redone and the chimney exterior sealed, but that never solved the problem. What do you think could be the issue here? This is something that's really common in Houston, mainly in the summers. But and I've heard Tom talk about this a bunch. But it's usually a negative pressure problem, and it can be an HVAC issue with a negatively pressured room. So it's pulling air down your fireplace and into your house. So often fireplaces get blamed for that. And, yes, the air is coming from the fireplace. So the thing that's making the air come down is some kind of a mechanical fan inside the house where there's not enough makeup air or um, to keep the, the house balanced. So quite often, that's negative pressure. There's something else besides the fireplace pulling air down your vent. Quite often, they will, will have, even have customers that want to seal it off. And then there's still some leaks. And what we did is we got rid of the dilution air, and the smell will get worse. So we always recommend, like, blower door testing is a great way to measure pressure in certain parts of the house. Um, and we do some of that. We have pressure testing we do around your fireplace. But HVAC companies are really good with fixing that issue. And it can also be a water leak because water leaks are going to make the air that comes down smell even worse. But no air that comes down your chimney is ever going to smell good. So we just have to stop the air altogether by getting rid of the thing that pulls the air down. Well, and you can you get those kind of problems not only with the fireplace, but you get them with dryer vents and you get it with uh, uh, cook vents, those kind of things too. And it's it got to do with the air replacement. A lot of people don't realize they're, bl- they're blaming something when it should be the air conditioner that needs to be balanced. The static air pressure testing needs to be done. And over 20 years, almost every time, it's an older house where they've replaced windows, doors, foam yes. walls, and not yes. replaced the HVAC system at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're creating and so the fresh air returns coming into. They're getting negative so pressure, and, and, and it's pulling it in instead of mm-hmm. pushing it out. Yeah, correct. And, and no pound of. And they may still have stuff wrong with the fireplace. I'm not saying that, but the smell is going to be fixed with the the pressure problem going away. Because if there was positive pressure or neutral pressure, all the hot air would go up the chimney, and you would never smell it. I have just a question for you. James in Fredericksburg says he has a friend. He's asking for a friend here, Lee. Anyway, he's, he says... He I'm built, glad he has a friend. He I, has, I could use a friend. Well, his friend has a new built home with a wood-burning fireplace. Whenever she has it lit, the smoke comes out of the front and ends up huh. causing a wall to turn black. And it's not very deep. Should there be a minimum amount of space from the opening to the back wall to make sure the smoke is channeled up and out of the chimney? The answer is yes, but most fireplaces and new houses now are manufactured fireplaces. It's like a kit. So it's tested in a lab to vent. So we're back to pressure problems. Cracking a window, right? I've had it. Even customers that open and close the doors all the time because kids come and go, they won't have a problem all day long. And then at night when they shut the doors Mm -hmm. and the HVAC system starts to heat a lot, the pressure problem goes up and suddenly they start to smell smoke. So it could be a fireplace problem, but most likely it's a pressure problem. The only way to test it is to crack a window. If it goes away, then you've got to have some replacement air. Can't you add replacement air vents into some of these existing fireplaces? We can, but where the air comes from is important to a fireplace. If you put air through the side of the fireplace into the firebox, sometimes you can make the problem worse because that air comes through and then it comes out into the room. Wow. So ideally, the air comes from the front of the fireplace in like it was designed. And there are certain air packages that release in the hearth area. They have vents where the air comes out there. Those are the ones that work exceedingly well. When we're contracting to fix these problems, that's where we go. 
But you have to make sure you have enough air and how much negative pressure and how much air. Because sometimes it needs so much air, it's impossible through some of those to, to actually get enough air to fix the problem. So you only want to pull the air in from the front of the firebox? Correct. That way it comes wow, in. Wow, I never you, knew that. That's interesting. Yep. Wow. Usually it comes in around the lentils. <laughs> I'm fascinated now. I've, my day is complete. Correct. A lot of times, too, if you feel that lentil and there's a bunch of soot on it, mm-hmm. that means something's wrong. Or if you put your hand on it, it's really hot, that means you have spillage. There's stuff spilling out, which shouldn't be. But ideally, now I'm not saying any air is better than no air, but in a perfect world, the air comes from the room into the fireplace and up. Okay. Hmm. Well, here's one for you. Similar theme, different question. This comes from Arnold up in North Riverside, Illinois. He says he has a first floor and a basement, and they each have a fireplace. And the flues are in the same chimney. The first floor fireplace has a liner installed. And the problem is, when I burn wood on the first floor fireplace, smoke comes in the basement fireplace badly. The flues at the top of the house are displaced height-wise, and the basement flue is lower than the first floor flue by about a foot. He wants to know, does this sound like a backdraft problem pulling the smoke back in? If it's severe enough, it can be, because it depends which one's higher and which one's lower. Right. The basement so the one, one is up, lower. Yeah. The one where correct. the smoke is coming out on the bottom, the flue is lower. Right. Correct. Because if, if that smoke rises and then there's, it's sucking in air at the top one, it can still suck in smoke. But a lot of times, too, what we find is, is when you look at the venting systems, they're not sealed. And it's stealing halfway through. It's stealing air from side to side. So it, it just it just depends. We have to come out, put the cameras through, make sure everything's sealed. Once everything's sealed and as it should be, then we're looking at pressure issues all over again. And I don't want to keep harping on it, but it's a big issue. It is a big issue. You can harp on it all you want as far as I'm concerned. Same with air conditioners and heating systems, too. It creates a healthy or unhealthy home. Because the air coming from a fireplace is not healthy air to breathe. It's, I, I would not It's that. gross. Yeah, or when you're burning your fireplace, if you smell smoke inside your house when you're burning your fireplace, that's not healthy to breathe either. So one one of our key tenants is we're trying to make the air inside their house healthier to breathe as well. Okay. Let's talk about dryer vents for a minute here before we wrap up. Got a couple couple of three of those here. Jim in spring says his dryer vent goes up through the wall through the attic and out through the roof. And it clogs up with lint every so often. I have to go up in the attic and disconnect it and clean it out. Is there any suggestions you have on how can to solve this and make it easier? Normally, if you're doing that every year, something's wrong. It's either too long, it's got, it's the wrong size, it's got too many turns. There's, there's certain regulations on all that stuff. Because if it's designed correctly, that does not happen. Um, even the terminations above the roof line, there's some of them that say on the instructions, if you're installing this for dryer vents, remove screen. And they never do. So you show up and there's a screen and it's just caked in lint. So making sure that the termination or the roof or where it goes to the side of the house is able to let lint out and is not clogging. And then we have the correct size and of, of actual vent with the correct length and as few turns as possible. Generally, that doesn't happen. So what I would recommend is have someone have us come out. We, instead of you cleaning it, we can clean it top to bottom, and we'll do a better job because we have the proper tools. Um, and then we can take a back pressure reading on how much pressure is being put back on your dryer. It's supposed to be below six, 
0.6 inches of water column to see if it's working correctly, and then we can take an airspeed reading at the termination. should be above 1,500 feet per minute or 8 meters per second. And once all that is, then everything should work correctly, and that's how we know a dryer vent works correct. Lee, will you guys do rerouting of those ducts if, the, if, if you need to? Absolutely. That's, that's okay. part of cool. what we do. Just because that's what actually fixes the problem all the time. Yes, mm-hmm. you can have us out every six months to clean it, but to actually fix the problem, and that's what we're about, not just putting Band-Aids on stuff, a lot of times it needs to be shorter and straighter. Well, when you, when you, it makes perfect sense when you're saying because then when you listen to these other questions, it's like the same issue again and again. Thomas says that he has a dryer vent that goes into the attic, and I left the hose off the dryer, and my clothing dried in one cycle. I put it back on, and a 10-foot hose to the outside, and it took three cycles to dry the clothes. If it takes more than one cycle, there's something wrong. It's it's a big problem, Charlie. There's no real control in the industry about how these things are run. And the people that put them in are not trained on putting them in properly. And I think Lee Lee's the perfect example of having to go in and reroute them and redo them all because mm-hmm. yep. it should all be fixed in new construction. It's so simple to do a little fur down, take it quick, take it to the outside as fast as you can. And you can imagine yep. we get into the, and Lee, you probably see this too, we get into this new green stuff and everybody wants to save on energy. And this is costing people a lot of money running those dryers, sometimes three, four cycles. Yep. Well, June in Bellevue says that if her dryer runs on the high temperature cycle for three to five minutes, that's Bellevue, Washington, by the way, three to five minutes, it will trip the dryer's circuit breaker and the dryer feels hot. They tried professional vent cleaning, and the people came in and did it from the outside about a year ago. But it's happening again. Is this a case, like you're saying, that the the ductwork itself could be at fault? Correct. It could be in fault. And the way you figure this out is not like lick your thumb and put it up in the wind. There are gauges we can put on it to figure out what's going on and what's not. Like when we clean a dryer vent, we take the readings beforehand, we clean it, and take the readings afterwards. We know how much we've done. We know if it gets back to spec or not. Um, so it's important. Also, I don't know if they have this, but it's possible. But the little dryer vent booster fans they put on long ones to try to fix everything, those require maintenance. And most of the time we come up and they're just caked in lint, and those things burn out. They can be more of a fire hazard than the vent itself if you don't maintain them correctly. And we even have builders that put them in, and then someone forgets to wire it, so it just sits there like a big plug. <laughs> well, and I would think, you know, Tom talks all the time about wanting using passive systems instead of mechanical systems. Correct. And, and Tom, I imagine that there has to be a way to, to route those There's things. There's an easier way if you yeah. just think it out before you close the house up. It's always there. They just don't go with the obvious. They just do what they've been doing, uh, whoever's putting them in. Uh, and they do it with a lot of different things, but dryer vents are just kind of, just they're just not uh, taken very seriously. So Lee, I imagine if I need if I turn on my my gas logs and and everything isn't according to Hoyle, it's time for me to consider a chimney inspection, or should I do that first? Um, I would always do it first um, because by the time you know something's wrong. Sometimes it's when you go to chimney fires and stuff like that, which mm. does happen, we see mm-hmm. them all the time, uh, meaning multiple times a month we see chimney fires. Um, 
that well, by the time you get there, you don't even know you're there until it's too late. <laughs> when, um, in the town I grew up in, in New Hampshire, they used chimney fires were a pretty I don't want to say common occurrence, but they happened you know with some regularity up there in the North Country, and uh, the the local volunteer fire department used to say we've never lost a foundation. That's true. They're always there. I had a house burned down. My foundation cipher used it. <laughs> wasn't right. from a chimney, but still. Yeah. So, right. so let's ask you this, just to kind of round wrap things up here, Lee. But I do have one question for you. Wrap it up, Charlie. Yeah, go ahead. Do you guys take care of vent hoods for uh, cooking? The cooking no. hoods. We we don't do fat. Okay. I was curious because I get calls and I want to make sure I'm not leading them towards you if you're not doing that. No, that's a different product. We we. Do do pizza ovens? Oh, do you really? Okay, well, this is new. Yes. Because yes. uh, people call us all the time. They've installed pizza ovens, even in commercial locations, and no one installs the vent because no one knows what they're doing. Wow. So we have okay. to go install the venting on pizza ovens, but we maintain them, too, because a lot of those burn 24-7 on this. Mm-hmm. It's true. And they burn at a high temperature, too, so they're, yeah. they're throwing a lot of heat out there. Yep. Well, that was an interesting fact towards the end. I'm yeah. sorry, Charlie. I had to know about the fats. Well, so I t- well trust me, I'm, I'm, the fat is on my mind as well, Tom. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> okay. So let's wrap this up by saying this, Lee. What are, what are the things I should visually look for when I look at my chimney? And what are the, what are the, the ones that, when I see it, I absolutely need to call you right now? That's a good. That's a great question. Um, the things to look for is any discoloration, I, even on the outside of your chimney. If you see mold stains everywhere, yes, there could be a tree over it, but quite often your chimney, which is above the roof line, will be covered in mold. It means the brick's too wet. There's things we need to do to keep the, the moisture off of it, and then the brick will last longer. You'll have less maintenance. On the inside, if you have smoke stains up to your, your mantle, if you have smoke stains on the outside, if you smell smoke when you're burning the fireplace or when you're not burning the fireplace, all that stuff should go to the outside. Um, if you see a white powder on the hearth, on the fireplace, that's efflorescence. That's a water leak. We often see that, and that's the water running through the brick. The brick kind of works like a filter, and then you have, like, the minerals left over. But that's a sign of water leaks. Um, if your damper doesn't open close or you see rust, that's probably another one. Uh, a lot of times if, you're, if your damper's too warped, it won't open and close correctly, or it's just so rusted because you've had long-term water leaks that it's a severe problem. So always have it checked out. If I tell people, when in doubt, always get it checked out. Just don't, don't get And you can restore the, the fireplace, the chimney, the, top, the, the cap, all that stuff to make it safe again. We can. As safe as it can be. It's not, I mean, it's, it's fire. I mean, do you get so. to a point, Lee, where, where, where this thing just has to be replaced? There's certain types of fireplaces that are designed to last about 20 to 25 years, the manufactured fireplaces. They started being installed in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a cheaper fireplace to install, and you don't have to have knowledge because it's just pre-built. Uh, those are either rust or they'll warp. And if you go to Galveston, they barely last five years with the salt. Are these the um, ones that are, are essentially they're, they're just pipes that they build the, 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 the siding around those kind of chimneys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. You'll see round <laughs> seen fire. a bunch of them. Yeah. 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 But yeah. most of the new ones you're installed now are that type because they're a lot cheaper to install, and they don't require knowledge. So really uneducated labor can install them. So many bad things came out of the 70s. 
and eighties. <laughs> well, no, I think yeah. the eighties were a happier time. Seventies anyway. had better music. Eighties, <laughs> not so much. Eighty. Well, no, yeah. I, I see. I, I go the other way, but all right. Do you? Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the historic houses. Yeah, they're so much fun to work on because often, yeah, someone thought through this whole process. Right. So you go to Galveston and you get a really hundred plus year old house. Those are awesome. They're so much better than what we that people build now. Often. No kidding. Yeah. So you're saying right now, even as we're sitting here, there are fireplaces and chimneys being built on houses that are problems waiting to happen. Yes. Most of them now are manufactured fireplaces. So when they're being installed, if you maintain them correctly, they do what they're supposed to do. But it's just like a dishwasher or a refrigerator. It's going to wear out eventually. The problem is most people aren't educated enough to know this is coming, especially with the floods. If your fireplace was one of those type of metal fireplaces, like out in Bear Creek, where there's a lot of them, and it was underwater, it needed to get replaced. Often they didn't do that. Mm, they right. just sort of painted over. and So there's air spaces in that fireplace that could be filled with who knows what. Mm. And they should have been replaced with the insurance company, but no one ever did it. You know, like you said, there's a lot you need to know. It's it's a shame there's not a place where you could go and, and, and learn a lot of this stuff online, Lee. Yeah, come to our website. Oh, that's there you go. <laughs> I, I do I do two weekly live shows, one on dryer vent on Fridays, one on chimneys on Mondays called Lunch with Lee. Um, we have virtual assessments where for free you can get online, schedule a Zoom meeting. You can show me your fireplace. We do it for free. We help people light pilots. We do all that kind of stuff for free just to help people out. Um, but, yeah, it's, go to our website, call and ask questions. We invite every contractor, if they want to train with us, come train. We have a hands-on training center. Tom kind of gave me a couple hints, and we started building that out. So we have a hands-on training center. We do usually monthly training stuff for just Chimneys 101. Uh, if homeowners want to come to our facility anytime or come train with us, hey, more the merrier. You have opened so many questions to be answered here. Number one, how about we tell them what is the website? Uh, lordschimney.com. There it is, lordschimney.com. And is that the same website through ours, Charlie? It is. You can go to okay. home, if, worst case scenario, you go to homeshowradio.com sure. okay. and click on the Lord's button, and there's a button that'll take you to the website if you don't want to write that down. Or here, hang on. Look, I'm holding up the QR code. You point your phone at the radio. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. I got it. <laughs> All right. And and Lee, that and where where is your location? Uh, we're at fourteen six hundred Almeda Road. It's just, it's uh, just, it's Almeda just south of Beltway 8. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and like I said, we invite every customer when we give them estimates. If you want to come to our facility and make sure we're the real deal, come look at it. We have nothing to hide. I will tell you, when you get there, you will find out just how impressive they are. Um, I've been there, and I, I, you're right. There is there is a lot to be seen, and you guys are, uh, there's a reason why Tom trusts you to take care of uh, um, fireplaces and chimneys um, and and dryer vents and all that. And, and now that you've listened to the show, you've heard exactly why Tom trusts Lee and Lord's Chimney the way they do. This is a fact. Yes, I do. No, no, you're supposed to say, I'm over here. Anyways. Yeah, I'm over here, and I do. <laughs> <All right. laughs> to the left, All to right. the right, we're in the middle. All right. And Lee, so Lee, thank you so much for, for being with us today. We're gonna, We appreciate you making the time. Yeah, Lee, I, right, I learned a you. lot. I, you gave me some interesting uh, uh, information I will carry with me for, for many years. Yeah, if you need anybody, let me know. I got plenty of. Especially, I'm fascinated by the airflow to the front of the fireplace. It's like a welding booth. It's it just fascinating. Thank you. Yep. All right, and we'll be back again next week with another home show extra for Tom Tynan and Home Show Radio. I'm Charlie Mosher.